Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone to bring in Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Uh, Keith, it would appear that uh, we're getting off to a hot start here on a Monday. Uh, thanks for joining me this week uh, as I fill in for Mike Smith. Great to be here as always, And we got some rather breaking news. We heard a bit of it in uh, Gord's news uh, package prior to your segment here on Baldry's Beak. But can you dive a little deeper into the BCGEU contract talks resuming? Yeah, so uh, again, this is good news that they're actually talking again. Um, the, uh, the They broke off, if you recall, several weeks ago when the gap between what the two sides were offering or requesting was so wide, uh, the GU felt the need to go out, uh, take a strike vote, which uh, they got a 95%, 94.6%, which is a very high mandate from their members uh, to be a little tougher at the bargaining table. So talks begin today, uh, but that gap is still pretty significant. I am told yesterday, was told yesterday the employer will make another offer today or tomorrow, uh, but uh, the GU is looking at 5% a year for two years. Uh, the government's looking at a three-year deal. And when they broke off, it was you know, 1.75% and 2%. And we're talking about a lot of money here for the government because whatever the GU negotiates, or indeed any other union, public sector union, and keep in mind there's 182 contracts, 393,000 people involved here, uh, unionized workers, whatever one union gets, everyone else gets the same thing. At least that's been the pattern for decades because everyone has what's called a Me Too clause in their contract. Yeah. That if someone, another union is getting a, gets a better deal, we get the same deal. So you start doing the math, and I've, I've been reporting this for some time, the, the, over and above what the pay packet is right now, if there's a 1% increase for everyone uh, a year for two years, that's almost a billion dollars more in, in wages uh, over two years. And plus, management's about $225 million. And again, you just start running the percentages, and the numbers get pretty big pretty quick. 3% a year for two years, $2.8 billion. 5% a year for two years, $4.65 billion. Uh, inflation's running north of 7% right now. There's no way the government's going to give a 7% wage hike out there, but certainly the GU's settling on 5%. That seems to be the magic number public sector unions are probably looking at. Now, Keith, it's important for there to be that context when you're when you're tossing out those massive numbers, because some might throw out, well, you know, the cost of living is what the cost of living inflation being what it is. But when you're talking about that many employees, the untenable price tag that comes with you know, aligning with inflation with the Me Too, uh, you know, uh, trigger, I guess, for, for other unions. Uh, it, this, is, this is a big negotiation for the BCGEU and the government. But, and, but being that far apart, the 5% to, what did you say, 1.3? Yeah, 1.75 in the first year. 1.75. GU is looking for 5%. So the gap is significant. Huge. Huge. Okay, so you've been not your first rodeo. You've you've been involved in in uh, mediation like this. You've witnessed it. You've been through it. You're a union employee, for goodness sake. I've been a union um, negotiator. There you go. So talk us through how you, with your crystal ball, and you can only you know speculate on this with your learned perspective. How how do you see this moving forward in the days to come? 
I think the magic solution here is a signing bonus. Uh, union negotiators don't like signing bonuses because they're not built into the base the base pay. Percentages are. Uh, but I think the reality is the government is in no fiscal position to afford a 5% wage hike a year for 393,000 people. You don't see that in the private sector. But the government's going to be under enormous pressure to do something, and by government I mean all the employers, public sector employers out there, to do something to address the rapidly increasing cost of living. And I think a signing bonus, uh, and right now I think the, the signing bonus on the table for the GU is $1,000. I think it's going to have to be more than that. But I think yeah. you, can go, you can go over the heads of union negotiators directly to the membership and dangle a $2,000 check or whatever it is in front of them and say, would you, would you take this over an argument about 2% a year? A difference. Right. Uh, and I Instant think membership, gratification. Right? membership, I think, would likely take that check and run because it's real money in your hands right now. You know, a four or five percent increase might translate to a latte a week, um, but that's not really real for people. What is real is a you know a check worth hundreds of dollars or more than a thousand dollars that you can go out and spend right now. And I think that's ultimately going to be how these uh, contracts are going to be settled with a higher percentage of what the government is offering. No question. I would say we're talking probably at the end of the day. I look way down the road. Somewhere in the neighborhood of three percent a year plus a signing bonus, and I think that's that's going to be the solution ultimately. But there's probably going to be some pain and some picket lines before we get there. Okay, so what might that look like? Well, it's going to be interesting. Um, a number of public sector employees are governed by essential service levels, so it's not like nurses can suddenly walk out of a hospital and there's no nurses in the hospital. There will be essential services maintained in certain sectors, particularly healthcare. Uh, but, uh, you know, we could see a picket line around the liquor distribution branch. That's GEU or government liquor stores or, um, you know, pick any area of uh, the public sector. The one, of course, to keep an eye on is schools. Will they start on time in September or will they not start because there's a picket line around schools? I think there's every possibility that could be the case. The Teacher, BC Teachers Federation has shown a willingness to take job action and go on strike more than any other public sector union. And there's also QP involved there, support staff. So the clock is ticking on that sector. The teacher's contract ends on Thursday, so they're not in a position right now, unlike other public sector employees who have been without a contract since March 31st. But come the next school year, it's an open question whether it's going to start because uh, we've seen job action before in that sector, and there's every reason to to assume we're going to see it again. I've followed that bouncing ball, both as somebody in the media as well as as a parent. Was the last issue with the government versus the teachers of British Columbia resolved by meeting in the middle with a signing bonus, if memory serves? Well, no. If you recall, the the Teachers Federation was in the midst of start contract talks, and then the pandemic hit in March 2020. And that changed everything. Everybody just said, whoa. Uh, Everybody... Everybody took a step back and said, we, there's no way we can do anything. we just got to take this and run. So it was almost like this confrontation between the Teachers Federation and the government, which always seems to be on the horizon, was put in uh, abeyance for a few years as we got through this pandemic. We're still in a pandemic, but we're in a different mindset now. And uh, employees that were willing to sort of not roll over, but just say, fine, we'll put this aside for now, are not doing that this time. They, the cost of living is more than 7% inflation rate, 7.7%, which is significant. And that's the difference this time, Jody. I've covered these negotiations with unions for 40 years. We've never, we haven't seen inflation like this since uh, 1983, the early 80s. 
I mean, it's never been a factor at the tables, which is why the wage increases were always around 2% a year, basically to keep pace with inflation, not much more than that. And occasional signing bonuses, Carol Taylor's $5,000 signing bonus, you recall back in 2008, I think it was. Uh, We're now back at a level of inflation that the government and employers simply can't ignore at the bargaining table. You just can't offer 2% anymore. It's going to have to be more than that. But like I say, a 3% increase, more than $4.5 billion cost over two years cumulative uh, to government coffers. And they can't, I don't see the government being able to go much beyond that with uh, the current state of finances. We're going to open the phones in the next segment, of course, as we do on Baldry's Beat. I'd love to hear from a BCGEU uh, employee on where you stand within this. 604-280-9898, star 9898 is a free call on your cell. Before we take a break, Keith, though, I want to touch on the reaction here uh, at the BC legislature must be discussed in the hallways, the the impacts of the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the United States. What What has been the buzz around the ledge on that? Oh, it's uh, certainly people are talking about it, uh, quite dismayed, but not surprised. This, uh, this was this was coming. The, the leak of the of the um, of the judgment was some some weeks ago. So when it finally hit, it just was like, okay, this is real. Uh, again, <clears throat> talking to health officials here, not an expectation to see an overwhelming number of women coming to BC uh, who cannot get um, abortion services, medical procedures in the states. Idaho is banning abortion, but Washington State is a vigorous and vehement pro-choice state, yeah. as is Oregon and California. California, yeah. Uh, so we're not we're not like uh, Manitoba, for example, which has North Dakota across the border, which is probably going to see some pressure there, or uh, Alberta, where you've got Idaho and potentially Montana banning these procedures. It's mostly, uh, again, it's the American South and Midwest, and it's many of these women are impoverished people who may not have the finances to come to Canada, uh, right. which really worsens the situation and imperils their own health care. So I uh, did some digging the other day in every woman's health clinic. If you're an American woman and you don't have MSP coverage, which, of course, you wouldn't because you're not a Canadian, uh, the fee is $785. Uh, and I think people are going to get more familiar with this type of thing in the future as a result of overturning Roe v. Wade. One quick medical note as well before we get to break here. Uh, great news for our premier with regard to being cancer-free. Yes, uh, you announced that on uh, Donnie Taylor's uh, a show on Czech TV, um, which is great. And I, t- I texted him back and forth. He says he's, he's his oncologist last Monday told me uh, after a PET scan, uh, no uh, evidence that cancer still exists. So that's great news. Amazing. He still, you know, he says he still has other issues. We all do as we get older. But uh, fatigue has been one issue that Premier Hargan's talked about late in the day. But I think he's uh, improving on that matter as well. So good for him. And we are doing Baldry's Beat as we do each and every day, except tomorrow. Keith's got tomorrow off. But Keith Baldry is here with us today, uh, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. And the phone lines are open. And Keith, let's get right to them. We got Mike from Delta up first. Welcome, Mike. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Of course. So I just want to comment on, on these potential strikes or whatever. I mean, I want to remind people that um, the government employees, and now I'm hearing there's 400 or is it 380,000 people. Um, so when you're a government employee, you're paid by taxpayers' dollars for the majority of them. I mean, I guess the liquor board, they do create revenue. But when you're when you're collecting your paychecks and you're paying anywhere between 1000 and $1,500 in taxes, say, for 10 or 20 years, 
then those same employees turn around and get $4,000 back in their pensions. So how much do they actually contribute to income taxes and other infrastructures that we need to pay for? Oh, I think uh, government employees, just like private sector employees, uh, pay an enormous amount of taxes over the course of a uh, working lifetime. Um, pr- pensions in the private sector are not generally as generous as public sector pensions, for sure, but um, I don't think it's fair necessarily to suggest that government employees don't put anything into the economy uh, through taxation because they get a pension. They they contribute a lot to the economy, just as private sector employees do. But you know, having said that, public sector generally is got better benefits than the private sector. I don't think there's any downside to having better benefits. I don't think nope. we should look at that as a negative. But I get where I get where Mike is coming from. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you uh, tuning in and taking the time to call in. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898, a free call on your cell phone. Bob and Kamloops, you're up next. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I sat on three master bargaining for GU in the past, and I'm still going on my 30th year. Um, I still got to work. Not that I got such a huge wage. It, it, it just makes me laugh when people say, since it's a government job, you're making so much money. Um, I chose to go into the government service because I wanted a pension. And then if I could go back a lot, you know, make twice the amount right now because they're so short. So I chose to do what I'm doing. The, the thing I'm saying about when Keith said about time bonus, $2,000 isn't going to cut it because um, with, with the wage increase, it's more than a latte a week if you do the math. And I think the government's uh, can be sorely mistaken if they think they can throw a couple grand of the Olympics. They threw out the big chunk because they wanted peace and love and harmony for the Olympics, but it's going to take a bigger than two thousand bucks. Yeah, I still I mean, whether it's two thousand or more than that, Bob. I don't know. I still think a signing bonus is going to be a, a, a ultimately part of the solution here. I'm not sure how much it would have to be, but I think. Um, I think it's going to be part of the solution today. It's not going to be a 7% wage increase. I mean, that's just not politically or financially doable for the provincial government. We're talking, I think I worked out, if it was 7% a year for three years, <clears throat> the government's looking for a three-year deal, that's approaching fourteen billion, almost $15 billion of tax dollars. And there's just not that kind of money in the government's fiscal plan and won't be unless there was a massive tax increase. Let's so squeeze one more happen. in. James, James in White Rock, Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Keith. Thanks for taking my call. Keith, is the government even considering opening the doors for Americans to come up to have an abortion when we're like, there's a million people in this province that don't have a doctor right now to, to, to go to? I mean, we're so short on staff when it comes to medical people. The lineups are so long, like offering this. A lot of doctors are just going to go to clinics because it's direct pay for direct service. I can't we get only got, We I got 30 go seconds here. Yeah, Sorry, James, doctor just got doesn't, 30. doesn't determine whether you can get an abortion or not. And right now, tourists get medical procedures all the time in BC, either through emergency or there's medical tourism. It's not unheard of for tourists to purchase medical services in British Columbia. And it would be no different than an American purchasing an abortion procedure in British Columbia. We're not going to get a stampede of people here because Washington State next door has very strong pro-choice laws in Washington State. So I think they get to Washington before they come to B.C. And I'd like to just point out that if any woman needs help with their health care that they can't get in their current city or state, uh, certainly as a woman in Canada, I would welcome that with open arms. I'll exactly. give them my spot at my doctor's. Thank yep. you, Keith. Okay. Appreciate you. you and, I'll, and thank you, Keith. Yes, we will talk to you on Wednesday.